you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. I feel such a burden, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but in a very positive way tonight. I feel such a burden to uh, share with you what the Lord has been talking with me about, and I hope that... um, before we get through tonight, and I don't even think I will begin to scratch the surface, and so we may visit it again, but if you'll just let me begin tonight. Brother Joey, I asked you the other night if you knew that old song, We've Come This Far By Faith. You've been practicing? All right. That's what we're going to close out on. First Kings chapter 19, verse number 1. I'm so thankful God has blessed us with Brother Joey. Amen. Amen. You're loved by this church family. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. I want you to underscore the word tomorrow and time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a journey, a day's journey. Everybody underscore the word days, a day's journey into the wilderness And came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Everybody say that. It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life. For I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, Then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and and laid him down again. The angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And I want to underscore in verse 7 the word journey. Time, tomorrow, days, journey. I want to talk to you tonight about the power to see it through. Power to see it through. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for being here tonight. When we read this passage and many others like it, we are often astonished at the particular conditions in which we find even good men. Elijah was a man of God. Elijah was a man greatly used of God. Elijah was a man who stood in a great place. And did a great work for God's people. 
And yet we are amazed and we are astonished at this particular setting. Nothing could more contrast in this chapter what we read in chapter 18. Chapter 18, you read about a contest on Mount Carmel, about the witness of God's power, about fire that came and licked up the water and burn up the sacrifice. We read about false prophets that are slain and we read about the abundance of rain that came upon that parched and weary land. And yet chapter 19 opens with this astonishing change in the situation. Sometimes it's difficult in life to understand why a man as great as David, who wrote so many of the beautiful psalms that we sing, could be touched with such distress at times. It seems strange to us how a man of Elijah's stature, a man so greatly used of God, should then be so dreadfully cast down and disturbed. And it's strange until we find ourselves in such trial. The reason why some people would not understand the Psalm of David or the prayer of Elijah or the situation that Elijah is in is simply because they haven't lived long enough. But if you live long enough, at some point in time you are going to face very similar situation. What is good about this passage, and many others like it, it's not the only one, it's one of many, but what is good about it is that it reminds us that others have traveled this way before. That others have been down the same road that I am traveling right now. It's encouraging to know that someone else has been where I am. It's encouraging to know that I am not alone in my struggles. And as the trials of life multiply and life becomes sterner in its conflict and many of us are thrust into more difficult tasks, and the pressures of life mount, it's good to know that somebody has been where we are. When all this happens to us, we can better understand why God allowed His ancient servants that were so mightily used of Him and so greatly anointed of Him to be put in a particular position that we find him in in our reading. We are relieved at discovering that we are walking along a path that someone else has already traveled. It may puzzle us why Elijah got under a juniper tree and laid down. We can see him standing on Mount Carmel, it's easy for us to envision him with, 
with the fire and the zeal and the enthusiasm and the passion that he must have had to stand before all of those false prophets. And we can listen as he chides them and he mocks them in their prayers that were futile and useless. And and then we can envision him as he stood there and he commands the water to be poured upon the altar that he has built. And he commands that more water be poured upon the altar. And then even a third time that they bring the barrels and they pour the water on the altar. And we can see him as he lifts his hands. And then I, I, I believe it's like 63 words. He prays down the power of heaven. He prays down the fire of heaven. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I, I don't remember any time in my past when 63 words have been enough to get fire out of heaven. And we can see Elijah because in our minds that kind of thing goes with great men. That kind of thing goes with a man of his stature. We are troubled now because we find him under a juniper tree. And we ask, even as God asks, what are you doing here? What are you doing under this tree? And what are you doing in this cave? While I was thinking about that today, the Lord impressed upon me this simple thought. He said, don't be shocked at where weariness and despair can put you. Don't be shocked at where weariness and despair and pressures can put you. But when you get under the pressure and you get under the juniper tree yourself, you ought to be glad because Elijah's been there too. Amen. Somebody say amen. It's comforting to know that a man as great as Elijah was so close to making the same mistakes that many of us are tempted to make. The experience of one man, one saint, is instructive to others. Can I tell somebody and just digress for a moment tonight and tell you that there are other people that need to see you overcome? Can I tell a world that is gone mad on selfishness and self-centeredness and everything is about me and mine and where I am and what I'm going through? Could I just somehow slip into your life right now and just tell you that somebody needs to see you overcome? Somebody needs to see you rise above it all. Somebody needs to witness you deal with pain and you deal with loss and you deal with hurt and you deal with frustration and you deal with misunderstanding and yet rise up above it all. Amen. Overcome. That's what we need to do. Many of the psalms that were written were called Michelle psalms, and that meant they were instructive psalms. It simply means that somebody experienced something in life, and they wrote about it to give you and I a lesson about how to live life. Could I tell some of you tonight that your life ought to be a song, not a dirge? 
that your life ought to be a song, not some kind of pathetic, whiny, moaning about how bad life is. Could I suggest to us tonight that we need to have a life that is a psalm. What I mean by that is that it is instructive to others that come behind us that you can go through hell and not die. That you can go through trying circumstances and yet live. That you can be knocked down but get back up. That you can be lied on and lied about and yet still come back in and lift up your hands and lift up your head and say, I am a child of God. I belong to the Lord and to Him I will be faithful. Praise God. The scripture defines what is transpiring in our passage as being that of a journey. A journey. Everybody say a journey. A journey. A journey. Elijah had been on a journey and Elijah still had one to take. He was on a journey. A journey designates and denotes a design or an intention, a purpose. It speaks of direction and it refers to a course of life, a particular road that is traveled. It involves distance. It involves time. And this is where life breaks down. It's when we don't know the amount of time between this point And the next point where God is trying to take us. A journey is an undertaking. And in many situations it implies the attitude of the soul. And even the activities that control me at any particular moment. A journey of life is one of many changes. And I think all of you would agree with me on that. Life. Is a, is a, is a continuous flow of many things, but it is always a matter of up and down, ebb and flow. Life is not a straight point between, it is not a straight path between two points. But it is a circuitous journey. It's, it's going through hills and valleys and mountains and back into the valley. That's what life is. It is a journey and it has many phases. Everybody say phases. It has many stages. It has many chapters. It has many parts to it. It has many cycles that we go through, just like we're going through a cycle in the natural realm right now as we move into the springtime of the year. And by the way, let me tell you again the dreaded news. You're going to have to lose an hour of sleep this weekend, so don't be late to church. But we're in that time of change. And, and it won't be a few months until the summer sun will start to beat down on us and we'll be crying, oh God, I wish it were cold again. And then the fall's gonna come and we're gonna lose that or we're gonna gain that hour. Everything's gonna die and everything's gonna look like it's washed out and washed away. And then again, that cycle, that's life. It's a journey. It's not always the same. All sunshine would make a desert. 
All rain would make something that none of us would want to live in. But life is changing. It's phases. It's stages. It's chapters. It's parts. It's cycles. And the trouble is many people get caught up in a particular phase of life and forget about the journey. They get caught up in a particular part. They get caught up in a particular chapter. They get caught up in a particular cycle or stage. And there they define their life and they make decisions that are based upon that particular moment that affect their life for eternity. They make decisions and choices that change their life forever for the worse, not for the better, because of a particular moment in time. Because of a particular day. They make choices and decisions and forget that they are in a journey. They don't see the whole story. They don't see the whole picture. It's like the old proverbial saying that sometimes because of the way life is, we're in the forest and we're so consumed by the forest that we can't see the trees. And so it is in life. We get so caught up living that we don't realize where we are and what kind of phase or stage of life we're in. I heard something funny the other day. You know, it's important to know where you are in life. And if you see an 80-year-old woman in a miniskirt, you know this for sure. She don't have a, she don't have a clue where she is in life. But you got to know where you are in life. It's so important that you know where you are. And sometimes only that can come by prayer and divine revelation and understanding that you can see. But you have to remember that you are on a journey. You must not stop in that phase and allow that phase to define your life or that stage to determine who you are. People do not stop to consider that they are in a particular chapter, but that chapter is going to end and they're going to move on. Where are we going? We're on a journey. What is interesting about our lives is that when we are in certain phases of life, things that at another time and another season would would have been dispensed with without even a blink of an eye. But in this stage, they're like something we can't handle. You understand what I'm saying right now? Are you listening to me? That when you get in certain phases of life, things that yesterday or last week or last month, they would have rolled off of you like water off of the duck's back. It, it, it wouldn't have stuck to you, but because of where you are right now, it sticks and it gets in your crawl and it works on your mind and it works on your spirit and it works on your heart and it works on your emotions and it works on all that you are and who you are as a person and you can't handle the moment. You can't handle the moment. At certain phases, our actions don't even make sense. Because if you look at Elijah, Elijah was going through a phase in his life. He was going through 
a movement from one place to the other that was part of the journey. It was part of the overall plan and purpose. But he got hung up in one stage of his life. And he almost ended it all in that one stage because he began to base and assess everything in his life on that one moment. And at certain phases of life, nothing we do makes sense. I mean, listen to me, folks. He's running from death so he can pray that he'll die. Now, you figure that one out. I mean, isn't that what the Bible said? Jezebel said, I'm going to do to see you what you did to the prophets of Baal. He killed the prophets of Baal. So he's been... Jezebel has threatened him with death and he's running away from death to fall under a tree to say, oh God, let me die. Now you tell me how much sense that makes. But that's it. That, that's a lie. There are phases in life when there's no rhyme or reason to what people do. That's why it's very important that you be careful how you live or act in any phase of life. We talk about the midlife crisis that people go through. We used to talk about men going through midlife crisis, but I'll be honest with you, I've seen more women going through midlife crisis over the last few years than I have men. They get to a certain point in their life and it just goes off the scale. They just go crazy. They go nuts. And the sad tragedy is, is that they began to reassess their priorities and reassess their values and reconnect their life in that moment to things that are not good. And they fail to realize it's a phase, it's a stage. And if, if I can just navigate through this, if I can get through this, I'm going to be all right. But at that particular moment, his life was inconsistent. His life didn't even make sense. He's running from death so he could fall under a tree and beg God to die. This is interesting and most important for you to note. That when God looks at your life, He looks at the phase of your life in the context of the whole picture of your journey. And He thus works accordingly. Isn't it great that God doesn't answer all of our prayers? I mean, if God had answered every prayer Elijah ever prayed, Elijah would have died there under that tree. But God sees the phase that we're in. God sees the stage that we're in. And he understands that and he sets it within the context of the whole picture or journey of life. And he thus works accordingly. Do you know what I do not hear in this passage? I do not hear the Lord berating him and belittling him because of his weakness at that moment. I see God send an angel to him to wake up. Elijah, wake up. Elijah wakes up, looks over there. <laughs> Somebody's cooked breakfast for him. <laughs> there's corn and uh, there, there, there's a cake 
and there's, there, there's a cruise of water. Man, what a lie. He eats it, drinks it, and then he rolls over and goes back to sleep. God didn't get his whip out and start beating and thrashing away at Elijah and say, you fool, you ignoramus. The Bible said the angel shook him again and said, wake up, Elijah. Wake up. Wake up. Eat. And Elijah wakes up the second time and he eats and he drinks. And the Bible said he went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights. It's interesting to note that God works accordingly when we are in one of those stages. In our text, we catch a glimpse of Elijah in a certain phase. Just fresh from the success of Mount Carmel, the tremendous victories, and the great celebration of rain that was so needed. And then something happens that plunges him into the deepest, darkest valley of his life. It is so depressing and it is so overwhelming that he despairs and he said, I want to die. I'm no better than my father's. And because of where he was and all that had happened in his life, he thought, he thought in his mind, it's all over. I've done everything I know to do. I've lived, I've stood as long as I can stand. I can't stand it no more. And he says that. He says to God, it is enough. Anybody ever get to that point where you just say, you know what? I'm fed up with it. I've had enough of it. I can't stomach anymore. I'm weary of standing up against one thing and then another and then another. I'm weary of all the battles. I'm weary of all the worries. I'm tired of all the struggles. I have had enough. You know, the great thing about God is he knows when we've had enough. And he said, Elijah, you're wrong. You haven't had enough. You haven't had enough. There's still more to come. Anybody that's ever felt like it's enough, I'm through, I invite you to come and stand beside Elijah tonight. Because Elijah stood there. One of the things we need to remember in times like that, when we get weary and we're tired of the battle and we're tired of the struggles and we're tired of going to bed with our mind racked with all kind of questions, we're tired of waking up in the morning and our mind still being clouded by all that mess, it's important for you to know that you're still the Lord's. Amen. You're still the Lord's. And so he concludes from this that he's no better than his father because of the pressure, because of the threats. Those things that were against him and those that were out to get him, he said, I'm tired of being who I am. Anybody ever get tired of being who you are? The toughest enemies that any of us will ever face in our life are not the ones before us, but the ones within us. The ghosts, the shadows, and the fears that are of our own life. 
Some of life's greatest messages and victories are over invisible foes that no one else will ever know we won the victory over. That's why you need to be careful how you judge somebody's worship because you never know what they had to pray their way out of. You never know what they've had to worship their way through. So don't you stand there and judge them. You let them worship God any way they want to worship. Amen. He became so desperate that he said, let me die. I wonder tonight how many of us sitting on these pews tonight have thought those same words. Let me die. I'm through. I've had all I can stand. I've done all that I can do. Do you know that we're all foolish at some time? That we're all weak at some moment? And that all of us at some point in time let folly out of us? To know where you are in life is important. And to know where I am is crucial to life. And that's what God tried to come and show Elijah. Elijah, you're hung up in a day. You're hung up in a moment. You see everything that's going wrong in your life right now. And you hear all of the accusations. And you hear all of the threats. And you see everything that Jezebel is trying to do against you. And you've lost sight of the journey. So when God wakes him, the messenger from God said, Elijah, wake and eat because the journey is too great for you. What I've come to tell somebody here tonight is that you must not get lost in the moment and you must not get lost in the day and you must never get lost in the phase or the stage of life that you might find yourself in. You need to hear a preacher tell you tonight that there's still a journey for you to take and there's still a work for you to do and God is not through with you yet. Somebody ought to praise the Lord right now. Come on, somebody ought to praise the Lord right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hey, folks, isn't it strange that a man who never died prayed that he might die? Elijah never died. And yet he's laying under a tree in a moment, in a phase of life. And everything's blotted out. All of Carmel is forgotten. All the raindrops that fell on his head are overlooked All of the wet, soggy clothes, all the mud and the mire that was a result of that kind of rain, all of that is lost in the moment, in the day in which he was living. God had to get him back to the journey. God had to remind Elijah, no, it's not enough. You're not done yet. We've all found ourselves in situations where we would just like to die. But it's been the Lord who loves us that reminded us that it's not dying time, it's living time. And that's really my message tonight. I've come to tell somebody it's not time to die. It's time to live. I don't care what the particular phase of your life is trying to tell you. I don't care what the circumstances are saying. 
I don't care what anybody else may be alluding to. It's not time to die. It's time to live. Amen. It's time to live. Elijah was about to set out on a journey that was going to be a journey of a lifetime. The journey was too great, Elijah. And that's why you need divine assistance because the journey is too great. And the Bible said he went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights. Can I tell somebody here tonight that God knows how to sustain you in your weak moments. And God knows how to see you through your trying time. And God knows how to keep you for the whole journey of life. Amen. Maybe I'm addressing someone here tonight who prayed Elijah's prayer. And in the bitterness of your soul, you've often said or thought that this is just the end. There's no more tomorrows. And God has to come and wake us up and say, come on now. Open your eyes and look around. There's a tomorrow still to come. How quickly life changes from celebration to sorrow. Here is a man who seemed to have the very keys of heaven. And when he prayed, things happened. And soon he was fleeing from the face of a woman. Here is a man who could be petulant and grow weary and be depressed. He failed at the very point of his greatest strength. And that was his courage. The wisest people in the world are often the greatest fools. And the meekest man who ever was, the Bible said, spoke bitter and hasty words. And Abraham, who was the father of the faithful, failed in faith. And Job, who was the man that we know as a man of patience, failed in his own patience. That's the phase. Everybody say the phase. I'm closing. My time is gone. I'm not saying any of this to glorify the weakness of a moment. Or to tell you that it's insignificant. What I've come to tell somebody is that it's only a moment. Everybody say it's just a moment. It's just a day. It's a phase. It's a stage. It's going to pass. Amen. Amen. He was still the champion of Jehovah. Though he at one moment had been the coward of the county. He was still the champion of God. That's why it's so important not to judge any man too greatly or too harshly by what he is at any particular moment. Because he may be having his Elijah moment, but he's going to come out of it. Amen. That's why as a church body, we need to be careful how we treat people. How we act toward people because we never know whether or not they're going through an Elijah moment. And we're all going to go through an Elijah moment. But oh, what a comfort to know that we're not alone. We're not the only one that's gone through those kind of moments, and we're going to get through them all. Nobody doubts that Elijah was a man of God, and nobody questions the fact that God loved him, and no one questions whether or not God was with him. It was just a moment. Stand with me, if you will. 
This is something interesting, and maybe I need to wait on it, bring it up another moment, another time. But Elijah had hoped that the great test of Carmel would have decided all of the great questions that were in his life. He had staked everything on one issue. He that answereth by fire, let him be God. If Jehovah be God, follow him. If not, then follow Baal. But all of Elijah's hopes that that one moment would change all of life did not pan out. Now, let me, listen to me very carefully because there's a lot of people that are under the misconception that if they can just get in the right service, that one service, that God's going to move and God's going to solve all of my problems and He's going to answer all of my questions. And that's where Elijah was. Elijah had been in that service on Carmel. He shouted, he danced, he talked in tongues, he jigged, he jagged. Don't tell me he didn't. You couldn't be where he was at and see what he saw and not be excited. He jumped up and down, he, he shouted, he ran. And now he wakes up to a message from a vile, wicked woman. I'm going to get you, Elijah. I'm going to get you. And everything he had thought was settled at Carmel seemed to have been done away in that one moment. Listen to me, folks. Don't misjudge the moment. It's still settled. He's still Lord. He still rules. He's still God. And in one moment... Elijah was overwhelmed with such fear and doubt that he allowed it to drive him into a desert and away from everybody. He just wanted to get away from everybody. He didn't want to be around anybody. He didn't want to talk to anybody. He even left his own servant behind and got as far away as he could get from humanity. Just closed himself in underneath that tree and said, God, let me die. Why? Because I thought I'd settle all these. I, I thought all of this was settled. I, I prayed about all this last week. I laid all this on the altar last Sunday night. And I went home or I got up and went to work. And I had to face a Jezebel spirit. I had to face that opposing thing. I had to deal with that. Can I tell somebody here tonight that there's always going to be an unanswered question in life? Oh, I wish I could preach the way I feel tonight. I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say to you right now because some of us are in a stage and if we're not careful, we're going to base everything about our life on that one stage. We're going to base everything in our life about that one phase and we're going to make decisions and we're going to make choices that are going to alter and affect us for a long, long time to come.
Listen to me. You know what you need tonight? You just need a visitation from the Lord. You need to eat of the meat that God provides. Because that meat is the only thing that will sustain you through that moment. That's the only thing that will get you back on your feet and headed down the road in that journey that God had. Because you see, the truth is, it wasn't over for Elijah. It was just beginning. Elijah's greatest days were yet before him. He was going to stand and rebuke Ahab for his idolatry and for his wickedness. He was going to anoint a young man by the name of Elisha to be his follower and to take his place. And ultimately, he was going to be caught up into glory. Can I tell somebody tonight, no matter what life is saying to you right now, your greatest days are still before you. Woo! Hallelujah. Your greatest days are still before you. That's why I felt like we ought to close out service tonight by singing, We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in His holy word. Yeah.